It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show, and Merry Christmas. Yes, we have been through Halloween, Turkey Day has come and gone, we're plowing through the holidays, and now it is the official kickoff for our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. We're all month long, we're going to bring you all kinds of Christmas fun, goodies, holiday treats, and great things here with our ninth annual event. And to help us celebrate the holidays, the festivities, and of course, the most important, Life Day, we have none other than Emily Swallow stopping in here this week. Now, Emily is currently on the Disney Plus streaming platform on The Mandalorian. Yes, the Star Wars TV show that has just taken the internet by storm, streaming devices, and so much more. She's also been part of Castlevania, Supernatural, The Mentalist, and many other things. So Emily's going to stop in, talk about what it's like being part of The Mandalorian the number one streaming television show currently all over the internet, as well as being part of the Star Wars universe, celebrating Life Day, and so many other things. And to continue on with our, you know, Holiday in the Stars, Christmas in the Stars, no show would be complete without the D-Team. And you have the questions, and Aaron has the answers, and he's going to dip his hand into Santa's mailbag and answer all your questions, and I want to know. We have Dominic back with more about uncovering all those little nuances from the Disney Plus streaming platform. We also have Frank here with the Disney quote of the week with that little bit of wit, inspiration, and more from Walt Disney, the man himself. We have Jeremy going deep into this week in Disney history. We have Caitlin back with the wonderful women of Disney, talking about all those powerful women within the Disney company. And let's not forget Charles, who's bringing that magic for your ears in the Magical Music Review, where he's going to go deep into the newest Star Wars platform with the soundtrack to The Mandalorian. We also have news hot off the D-Wire from Rise of the Resistance opening at Hollywood Studios, the Disney Channel, and of course, even the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids reboot with Josh Gad. So we have all kinds of fun on the D-Wire here this week and all kinds of fun as we are going to celebrate and kick off Christmas in the Stars, celebrating the holidays by the start of our ninth annual month-long celebration. So before we jump into this week's show, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel, and Castles and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation with character interactions, ticket reservations, you name it, they're going to hold your hand and walk you through the process, make it seamless, they're award-winning, and absolutely free to use. So definitely check them out, Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, it is time to kick off our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas Celebration as we're going to go and celebrate Life Day, Christmas in the stars, into a galaxy far away because Christmas goes far beyond this planet Earth. So let's officially kick off show number 230 for the week of December 5th, 2019. Oh my stars, I've never been so busy before. It seems Christmas arrives sooner each year. 
stars. What a merry Christmas this will be. Christmas in the stars, out among the stars, lighting up a Christmas tree. Come on, everyone, and sing. ask a question like that. Of course I'm getting ready for Christmas. It's all right here on my list. I've got mistletoe and holly. I've got peppermints and lollipops and 20 different kinds of chocolate bars. Everyone will be delighted. Even I am quite excited getting ready for Christmas in the stars. Yes, Artu, of course it's terrific, but there's more. Everyone will have a cookie. I bought extra for the I just hope that everybody can be here. If they all have marked the date, and if none of them is late, we'll have our greatest of Christmases this year. I agree, R2. We had better help them. Oh, perhaps Chewie can help too. Watch out, Car 5D4! You are under the mistletoe! Oh no, that big furry thing kissed him! Only a cookie which is a joy for Christmas. Christmas in the stars! Christmas in the stars! What a merry Christmas this will be! Christmas in the stars! Out among the stars! Silly friend is the sound of bells. What are bells? And their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down the important day. All right, we'll give it a try. I'll set your coordinates. You won't jump far. I'll get you back there in time, pal. Trust me. Our only hope now is to open an Imperial Garbage Scout, though. I'm going to Lightspeed. That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating Life Day before you know it. Stand by. Here's to say goodbye to our unpleasant friends. 
Show. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca. R2-D2 as R2-D2. And James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars, Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, The Jefferson Starship, Harvey Corman. And an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Hi, this is Tom Kane, the voice of a bunch of rides in the park where you hear a Jedi Master, Yoda, a Calamari Admiral, warning you that it's a trap. And of course, an occasional droid. Oh dear. And you're listening to Diz Radio, helping you relive the magic and the memories. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Carrie only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, LVD heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed our Christmas in the Stars kickoff for our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration, where all month long we're going to bring you all kinds of holiday goodies, Christmas fun, holiday fun, and don't worry, if you don't celebrate Christmas, we got other things for your holidays that you celebrate as well, but of course, you know, I celebrate Christmas, so I am going over the top with that. We didn't forget you either, but we are going to celebrate Christmas in the Stars, as we have none other than Emily Swallow stopping in here this week, yes, from the Mandalore. She is the armorer in the Mandalorian, making his armor. Yeah, you know, getting that uh, you know that steel that she's going to give to the you know the foundlings and so many others. So it is it is exciting to have Emily here on the show. I, I am stoked for this one. We also have the D team with Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Jeremy, Caitlin, and Charles all stopping in here this week with signature segments and news hot off the D wire. I know last week we had Thanksgiving and I didn't give too much news because you know I just wanted to give you a little speech from my heart, but we got. Got news back here this week. So before I jump into that news hot off the D wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. Yes, as I always say every single week. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D I Z Radio. Dot com. There you can find our full list of the past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z radio 
Facebook.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, different kind of Disney show. And if you want to stay connected instantly... I say it every single week. If you want to hear the magic in your ears, our special guest, the D-Team, the segment of your choice, or maybe me just rambling week in and week out, all you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, search Diz Radio, Disney Blue, or Disney On Demand, hit subscribe, and get the latest shows as they get released on your iPhone, your Android, your television, your Alexa, the device of your choosing. It is that easy, and you can get the latest shows as they get released instantly to enjoy the magic in your ears. And if you can't remember any of these links, just go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and find all these links there as well. So, all of you D-Heads, with that said, there is some news hot off the D-Wire. And, of course, let's start off with the news that's the most important, and we will go more into it later. But, happy birthday, Walt Disney! Yes, Walt Disney's birthday is today, December 5th. The man himself, we wouldn't be here doing a show for almost 10 years. We wouldn't have had these memories growing up. The magic, the magic kingdom, the magic in the movies, Mickey Mouse, or anything if it wasn't for the birth of this man, Walt Disney. So happy birthday, Uncle Walt. You have affected my life more than you even realize to this day. So take a moment, wish the man a happy birthday, raise a toast, and uh, keep the magic going for another 118 years. So happy birthday, Uncle Walt. Now let's jump into the other news hot off the D-Wire and Star Wars. Since we are having Christmas in the stars, we have the Mandalorians, Emily Swallow stopping in here. How about Star Wars? Rise of the Resistance making its galactic debut at the Walt Disney World Resort this week. Rise of the Resistance made its public debut on December 5th today this morning inside the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida and at the Disneyland Park in California, January 17th, 2020, which is coming up very soon. Now, after years of anticipation for this groundbreaking new attraction, guests will now become the heroes of the Resistance in a climatic battle between them and the First Order. Now, during a special dedication ceremony on Wednesday night inside Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios, the Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Bob Chapek went out on stage and talked about the attraction's immersive storytelling and technological innovation. As he is quoted at this event, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance sets a new standard for what a theme park experience can be he mentioned while he was on stage. Tonight, we are welcoming the world to experience the Star Wars galaxy like never before with the opening of the most ambitious, immersive, advanced, action-packed attraction we have ever created. Now, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is one of the most ambitious attractions ever done for Disney. I gotta say, that is the truth. It is immersive. It is over-the-top, mind-blowing. Now, the thrilling attraction takes place in a mass of sets that gives guests the feelings of stepping inside the Star Wars film as they allude to the clutches of Kylo Ren and the First Order in a mad dash 
through a Star Destroyer. Now, the new attraction also adds to the adventure that awaits inside Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the 14-acre land that opened earlier this year at both Disneyland and Hollywood Studios in Florida. Now, guests become part of their own Star Wars stories as they take control of the fastest ship in the galaxy in the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. They can also sample all kinds of food, drink, and more. Now, Rise of the Resistance is the latest chapter in collaboration between Walt Disney Imagineering and Lucasfilm LTD, and these two combined are breaking all new ground in the entertainment industry, and they have been working together since 1987 when they worked together to make Star Tours the very first Star Wars attraction at Disneyland. So, Rise of the Resistance open this week. There's all kinds of spoiler videos all over YouTube, all over the web. I'm not going to give you a walkthrough of me talking about it. Just if you want to check it out, check it out online. Uh, You know, get there in person. This thing is phenomenal. Now, moving away from the parks, let's get into the magic of the movies. And how about the 47th Annie Award nominations are announced. And there's two Disney films and three Disney legends that are nominated this year. The International Animated Film Society has announced for the 47th Annual Annie Awards all the new nominations for this year. And this year's Best Animated Feature nominations include Frozen 2, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Claws from Netflix, which might I add, even though it's not Disney, fantastic animated feature, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4, These are on the top of the list. And Frozen 2, Toy Story 4, I want to say that not so much Frozen 2, but I bet you Toy Story 4 or Klaus is going to win. Klaus is probably the one that is really going to take it this year. But, you know, two Disney animated films, this one is is in the bag once again. Now, as they mentioned uh, in their official press release, they said this year saw a 20% increase in submissions for animation with over 1,900 worldwide entries. That is a crazy amount of animated titles for the Annie Awards this year. Now, over this, there is 36 categories if you're not familiar with what the Annie Awards are, including Best Animated Feature, Best Animated Feature for Independent Films, Special Productions, Commercials, Short Subjects, Student Films, Outstanding Individual Achievements, as well as Honorary Juried Awards. Now, there's a variety of these that are, you know, taking place. Like I said, 36 categories. Now, one award that gets presented every year is the June Foray Award, and it's going to be presented by Jeanette Bonds, the writer and independent animator and co-founder of GLAS Animation. And the Ub Iwerks Award is going to be presented to Jim Blinn, computer scientist who first became widely known for his work in computer graphics at NASA. So this is just going to be a great 47th annual event. Now you're also wondering, when are the other Disney guys going to get in here, right? Where are they going to be? Let's just say some other people that are up for awards this year are going to include some great Disney names that you all are familiar with, including Ron Clemens, John Musker, as well as Henry Selick, who you know from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which technically is Disney, but not Disney, right? We all kind of know where that one lies as well. But there is also some other ones that he did, including Coraline and James and the Giant Peach. So some great ones. The 47th Annie Awards. We have the full write-up with all the nominated people on our official website at DizRadio.com. So definitely check it out there. 
Now, moving into the live-action films here at Diz Radio, let's get into Mulan. Yes, the live-action, I guess you could call it a remake, a re-adaptation. I really don't know what you would call it, but the new trailer has been released. The iconic 1998 animated film is now getting its live-action remake, and it has officially got a new trailer this week. Disney's Mulan is the next animated classic to relieve the live-action adaptation remake version however you want to describe it. Now, it's directed by Nikki Carl, and the remake will be the same story as the 1998 musical based on the Chinese legend of Hua Mulan, and it follows the story of a girl impersonating a man in order to fight the Chinese military and ward off the Hun invasion. Now, nobody knows if some of the same music is going to be in this one. Is it going to be a full-out musical? Uh, some people are thinking that they're going to change the story to be more realistic and true to the, the true story of Mulan, but the official trailer dropped this week. You know, I am intrigued. I, I I would like to see some new things coming out of the Disney ballpark, but they haven't let us down with the live-action remakes. They all truly are still fun. So definitely check out that trailer that dropped this week. Now let's get into one that's a reboot, a requel. I know, you're like, what the heck is a requel? You know, a requel, kind of like Jumanji, where... It pays a very small tribute to the original. I mean, very small, like 2% of the film. But it's enough to say that, yes, that film happened. This is a sequel, yet a reboot of the franchise. You get where I'm going with that, right? Kind of like the Lost, uh, kind of like Jurassic World. It, it's a requel, right? So how about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Original director is back for the requel reboot with Josh Gad. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids director Joe Johnston is returning to helm Disney's sequel reboot, Shrunk, with Josh Gad starring, and the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids starred Rick Moranis as Wayne Zielinski, the quirky inventor who accidentally shrinks his son and daughter, along with two neighbor boys who, you know, go to an inch size, and it was a huge success. With well over 10 times its $18 million budget, we all remember the attraction that they had showing how they made the film uh, at Hollywood Studios, and it was released by Disney, and it went on to have a variety of different sequels. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which went in theaters, and then the direct-to-home video, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, in the 90s. Now, you may remember there was also Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. So there was a lot of great ones, and the filmmaker has been with Disney for some time. He also did a lot of great other Disney films, including The Rocketeer, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, as well as Captain America, The First Avenger, and many others. And now appears Johnston and Disney are reuniting once again for a shrinking adventure. Now you're wondering, where is this going to go? Well, apparently, Variety Magazine has announced that Johnston has wrapped up talks to direct Honey, I Shrunk the Kids requel, right? Like I already mentioned. I'm not going to go into what the requel is. But it's going to star Josh Gad as the son of Wayne Zielinski. Yes, you heard me right. That is the way it's going to go. It's supposed to see Nick following in his father's footsteps by becoming a scientist and, what else? Accidentally shrinking his own children. Basically a remake of the original, but like I said, it's a requel. So instead it's going to be Nick, yes, Wayne Zielinski's son, doing the exact same things that were done in the first one. But come on, we all love Josh Gad. It would definitely be fun. It would be amusing. And assuming the screenplay is going to be good, it is going to get a theatrical release. Originally, this was going to be slated for a Disney Plus or a direct-to-home video version. But rumor has it so far that the script is so well done, 
so well planned out that Disney is now saying that this deserves an official theatrical release. So that's all I got on it so far. Uh, But hey, you know, it is coming. Shrunk, Josh Gad, Joe Johnston returning once again. And since we have the original guy behind Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, involved, I can only expect the magic to fly. So that's all I'm going to leave here for news here this week. A little bit of news, a little bit of fun, a little bit of things to get your holiday uh, uh, fun going. And, you know, we're going to continue on here. We have more coming from the D-Team. We have Aaron with his hand in Santa's bag answering all of your questions. We have Dominic with Disney+. Plus. We have Frank, Jeremy, Caitlin, Charles. Just so much from the team stopping in here as we continue on celebrating Life Day. Yes, Christmas in the stars and kicking off our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. So before we continue on with our Christmas in the stars and our special guest Emily Swallow from The Mandalorian, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Castles and Dreams Travel. And Castles and Dreams Travel is a 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation. From dining reservations, character interactions, you name it, they're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process, and make it magical. So definitely check them out. They're absolutely free. Castles and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, it is time to continue on. Christmas in the Stars, Holiday Magic, Mandalorian, and Gear Up for Life Day. So let's continue on with show number 230 for the week of December 5th, 2019. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase letter. It's your Christmas present. Converter isn't complete yet. It isn't finished. Lock in your circuits again quickly.
Artu, Merry Christmas. It's Darth Vader, watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi. With R2-D2 and C-3PO. There's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. Hello from Neverland. My name is Jeremy, and I am the head Lost Boy here in Neverland, and, well, they call me the Spider-Pan. I'll talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, but for now, welcome to Great Moments in History, but only the Disney parks. Hey, I'm back! I bet some of you might have actually missed me, and you probably noticed that I sound a little bit different. I'm in a new house, have a brand new home. It's a very different room that I'm recording from. It has wood floors. I don't know if I've quite got all my sound straight out from how I might be bouncing around off the walls and off the floor. But I am back with another Disney history update. Now, I'm going to go into probably a normal format because I want to get into some things that actually happen in December along with a few Christmas items. I have a lot of interesting things that actually happened during this upcoming week. So, December 5th in 1901, Walter Elias B Disney was born to Flora and Elias Disney in their two-story cottage at 1249 Trip Avenue in a newly developed section of Chicago, Illinois. 1986, Walt Disney Recognition Day is officially celebrated in the United States. Of course, this is because of his birthday. And in 2001, Disney fans around the world celebrated Walt Disney's 100th birthday and Walt Disney's hometown, Marceline, had a very big event with lots of different activities. The Uptown Theater hosts free showings of two Disney movies that premiered there, like you know, The Great Locomotive Chase and The Spirit of Mickey, which was like a collection of Mickey cartoons that was put out. Uh, they put those in the early evening. Uh, the stakes had sparkly fruit juice sales that began on Main Street USA in front of Ripley Park, where the city will toast Disney during a special ceremony. In 1930, on December 5th, Disney's Mickey Mouse cartoon Pioneer Days is released. While out west, Mickey and Minnie are attacked by Indians. Minnie is captured, and when Mickey tries to rescue her, he's captured too. But Minnie escapes and winds up rescuing Mickey. In 1941, on December 5th, Disney's Donald Duck cartoon Chef Donald, directed by Jack King, is released. And that's when Donald decides to try cooking along with a radio show and accidentally use some rubber cement when he was making waffles. That is a classic. I love that one. December 6th, 1903, Ruth F. Disney, Walt Disney's only sister, and of course the youngest child in the family, was born in Chicago, Illinois. In 1922, on December 6th, the Laughogram silent black and white cartoon Cinderella was released. This, of course, was on, based on Charles Perrault's classic, and it's directed, produced, written, and co-animated by Walt Disney. It is one of only six fairy tales that was released from the Walt's Laughogram series. In 1924, character actor Wally Cox was born in Detroit, Michigan. You'll have seen him in live-action comedies The Barefoot Executive and The Boatniks. Many cartoon fans might remember him as the voice of Underdog. In 1937, there was a sneak preview for Disney's first full-length animated feature, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in Pomona, California. 
The big premiere was set for December 21st, but this was a very interesting preview because around about the third act, about three quarters of the way through, a third of the audience got up and walked out. Now, everybody had been responding pretty enthusiastically right up to the end. We later find out the people who got up and walked out were college students that had to get back to their dorm for a curfew. In 1953, December 6th, actor and theater producer Tom Hulse, the voice of Quasimodo in Disney's 1996 animated release, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, is born in Detroit, Michigan. December 7th, 1904, Clarence Charles Ducky Nash, best known, of course, as Donald Duck, was born in Watonga, Oklahoma. In 1910, trumpeter, band leader, singer, composer, and actor Louis Prima, or Louis Prima, who's known, of course, for playing King Louis in The Jungle Book, is born in New Orleans, Louisiana. In 1986, on December 7th, the Disney Channel begins to broadcast 24 hours a day. Previously, it had been airing for only 18 hours a day. Moving on to December 8th, director-producer Richard Fleischer, son of Max Fleischer, is born in Brooklyn, New York. Now, Wald wanted Max Fleischer to work with him. They had been rivals in animation for a long time, but Richard is actually the one that ended up working with Walt on directing 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. In 1916, actor, filmmaker, and author Kirk Douglas is born in Amsterdam, New York. Of course, you'll know Kirk Douglas from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, as well as a lot of other movies, but we're going to stick to his Disney work. In 1932, on December the 10th, Disney's Silly Symphony cartoon Santa's Workshop, directed by Wilfred Jackson, was released. 1937, the nine-minute Disney short Donald Duck's Ostrich, or also known as Donald's Ostrich, was directed by Jack King and released, written by Carl Barks. That's, of course, when an ostrich gets free of her shipping crate and swallows everything in sight. Train station agent Donald Duck is in for a hectic day. In 1939, the first Donald Duck Sunday page was published, and like the daily strips, the Sunday pages were written by Bob Carp and drawn by Al Talaferro and distributed by King Features. That's it for this week's History Lesson, D-Heads. Remember, you can find me on a podcast called Neverland to Disney and Beyond, where, as I've mentioned, I am Head Lost Boy. They call me the Spider Pan because every Lost Boy has to have a nickname. Lost girls don't get nicknames because... Well, girls are too clever. They don't get lost. But we do give nicknames to our pixies. Head on over to NeverlandPodcast.com and find out all about it and join in the fun we're having here in Neverland. Until next time, keep a pixie in your pocket. It's late December. It's not a cold night. We're all together, but something's not quite right.
in their dealings with best envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down the What is it, Mr. I'm not sure. You saved my life. Thank you. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship to crash near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend. And growing more powerful. How far away? Settle down. <laughs> all they do is eat. This is all we have, but uh, he's welcome to it. You are foolish to waste your kindness on this dumb creature. No lower life form is worth going hungry for. And I take it you have no love of the Empire. I don't. Well, neither do I. It will be easy to find the ship you seek. Follow me, friend. Don't you think it might be imprudent to trust him so quickly, sir? He's our only chance. And besides, he seems like a friend. Indeed. Friend is merely a term that is often misused. Did R2 say that? Hey, I'm Jonas Suotamo. I played Chewbacca alongside Peter Mayhew in Star Wars The Force Awakens, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Well, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And now it's time to make way for that jolly fat guy and Christmas. I'm already enjoying the Christmas lights and the music of the holidays. This weekend the tree goes up and the baking begins. And this show kicks off our very merry Christmas shows, so enjoy. Hope everyone is enjoying the holidays in their neck of the woods. Well, Santa's sack is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Kira Foster of Detroit, Michigan, and she writes, Diz Radio, recently found you on the Rankin Bass group on Facebook. I know, odd connection. But I saw a post about Frosty's Winter Wonderland on Disneyland Records. Is this available digitally to download anywhere where a ripped copy I could listen to? I'd love to hear it and how it may be different from the actual TV special. Well, side note, I am pleasantly surprised at how much I like your show after trying it for an episode. I have now been downloading all 200 plus shows in the archives for Christmas break listening. You found yourselves a new D-Head. Well, welcome to the D-Heads. Rankin and Bass presents Frosty's Winter Wonderland is a 1976 Disneyland Records LP based on the 1976 Rankin Bass animated Christmas special Frosty's Winter Wonderland. It was narrated by Andy Griffith. Just search it up on YouTube. I'm listening to the complete LP right now. It sure seems like it follows the show pretty close, but give it a listen and determine it for yourself. And enjoy. Well, our next question is from Richard Astrami of Texas, and he writes, Aaron, so glad to have the show back each week. My life is now complete. My question for you is about Disney Christmas Gift. I saw this old VHS at a rummage sale, so I bought it. Now I need to get a player for it, but is there anywhere I can view this online and just keep the tape I bought? 
Has it ever been released on DVD? I've not been able to find anything much on it. Thanks for helping me out. Well, A Disney Christmas Gift originally broadcast on CBS on December 4th, 1982 as part of Walt Disney Anthology Series. The special is a Christmas-themed compilation of classic short cartoons featuring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, combined with excerpts from Disney feature films such as Melody Time, Bambi, Peter Pan, The Sword in the Stone, and Cinderella, as well as the 1933 classic Silly Symphony short, The Night Before Christmas. The opening and closing numbers featuring the song On Christmas Morning and its reprise showcase Christmas at Disneyland. The lyrics were written by Linda Laurie, with music by John Debney. Throughout the 80s and 90s, the original full-length and shortened versions of a Disney Christmas gift were rebroadcast on CBS and the Disney Channel. It was released on VHS, Betamax, CED, and Laserdisc in 1984, and again in the 90s, but has not yet been released on DVD. The full special is available to watch on YouTube. Well, our final question is from Lucas Fillmore of North Dakota, and he writes, Diz Radio, Aaron the D-Team. Merry Christmas, jumping into holiday mode. I'm hoping this one lands during your Christmas shows. Life Day. I love this reference on The Mandalorian. Nice little Easter egg. What's not to love about the horribly good Star Wars holiday special? But my question lies with the blurg. Someone told me it was from another Star Wars thing like an Easter egg. But what? Merry Christmas and Happy Life Day. Well, blurgs were stoic and strong. They were used for everything from agricultural labor to war. Male blurgs were eaten by females after the mating process. Blurg troopers were blurg-mounted clone troopers used by the Galactic Republic during the Clone Wars. They served as cavalry on various worlds in areas where ATRTs or personal walkers were impractical. Blurgs were capable of mowing down dozens of battle droids with a single charge. They were standardly equipped with flamethrowers and helmets. Clone troopers from Lightning Squadron first encountered Blurgs when working alongside the Twi'lek Freedom Fighters during the Battle of Ryloth. At least one clone rode a Blurg into battle because his ATRT broke down right before the Battle of Lesu. Blurgs made appearances in the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. In the Star Wars Legends, Blurgs first appeared in the 1985 television film Ewoks The Battle for Endor. They are pretty cool in The Mandalorian. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for your great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Merry Christmas, and Happy Life Day. What are the odds this time of year of getting a Christmas snow? A gift that pleases, a case of the sneezes, or a kiss neath a mistletoe. You doubt the odds against Christmas cards finding each friend on your list, or getting a box of oversized socks, but you don't stop to think about this. 
Christmas could have so easily been the day they invented the wheel, or the day bad King John was so put upon that the Magna Carta was sealed. They could have discovered America on December the 25th, or snow could have fallen, or nothing at all, and we'd never have known what we missed. The odds against Christmas being Christmas are 365 to 1. Christmas, you see, could have easily never ever begun. The odds against Christmas being Christmas, against love being born at all, were so very large that all of the rod should seem terribly, terribly small. You have to remember, when you're in December, that you're at the close of a year. What would you have done if time had run out before Christmas was here? I'd like to point out that the odds against adding an extra month are 92 million to three. You cannot put locks on all the clocks or chain Father Time to a tree. But whatever the odds this time of year, humans should never complain. Whether caught in the crush of a Christmas rush, or the snow, or the sleet, or the rain, Whole galaxies in distant worlds would change places with any of you because you have a day when love came to stay though it nearly didn't come true The odds against Christmas being Christmas are 365 to 1 bun, bun, Christmas you see could have easily never ever begun Just how lucky we were. The odds against Christmas being Christmas are 365 to 1. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of Disney Quote of the Week. This week, December 5th, marks Walt Disney's birthday. Now, born in Chicago in 1901, Disney developed an early interest in drawing. He took art classes as a boy and got a job as a commercial illustrator at the age of 18. He moved to California in the early 1920s and set up the Disney Brothers Studio with his brother Roy. With UBI Works, Walt developed the character Mickey Mouse in 1928, his first highly popular success. He also provided the voice for his creation in the early years. As the studio grew, Disney became more adventurous introducing synchronized sound, full-color, three-strip, technicolor, feature-length cartoons, and technical developments in cameras. The result, seen in features such as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi, furthered the development of animated film. New animated and live-action films followed after World War II, including the critically successful Cinderella and Mary Poppins and later of which received five Academy Awards. In 1950s, Disney expanded into amusement park industry, and in 1955, he opened up Disneyland. To fund the project, he diversified into television programs, such as Walt Disney's Disneyland, The Mickey Mouse Club. He was also involved in planning 
of the 1959 Moscow Fair, the 1960 Winter Olympics, and the 1964 World's Fair. In 1965, he began development of another theme park, Disney World, the heart of which was to be the new type of city, the experimental proto-community of tomorrow, Epcot. Disney, unfortunately, was a heavy smoker throughout his life and died of lung cancer in December 1966 before either park or the Epcot project were completed. This week's Disney Quote of the Week comes from Walt Disney himself. The greatest moments in life are not concerned with selfish achievements, but rather with the things we do for the people we love and esteem. Happy birthday, Walt Disney. That's all the time I have this week. Remember, have a magical week. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not call on yours, Jedi. The Empire is coming to town. We have a Death Star. We've tested it twice. Tracking down rebels and ending their lives. The Empire is coming to town. I have a very bad feeling about this. It's kind of gross. <laughs> you better watch out. Hillary Talk from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in Camp Nowhere, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. You've taken your first step into a larger world. You ready for this? We'll all be together at long last. We are all connected. Hello everyone, this is Dominic, and for years I did a segment here called Short Leash, and after a little break I'm back with a new segment covering Disney's long-awaited streaming service, Disney Plus, which at this point I guess is going to be called the Disney Plus segment. Other segment titles weren't doing it for me, like Streamboat Willie. I tried plus puns like plus sized, which led to other plus variations like Disney Swole or Disney Thick with two C's. It just wasn't working for me, so maybe we'll just have a segment title contest or something somewhere down the line. Let's get started. Here we are a month into Disney Plus, and my biggest takeaway is Disney's brand identification and the exclusivity of the vault. Unless you're really into original programming, there's a lot of duplication in the streaming space. If you have Amazon Prime Video, Netflix is a little redundant. You can find most of Hulu's content somewhere else on Video On Demand. However, if you're a Disney fan, this is becoming the exclusive place for where your content lives. I can see Star Trek 2 on various cable video on demands, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, and CBS All Access. I can't see Dumbo on anything but Disney+. I'm torn because in some ways this model is better, in other ways it's not. Subscribe to a studio and get all their content. It's fairly simple. Unlike wondering if Dunkirk is on Netflix or if it's on Amazon. If it's Disney, I know where to go. It would be nice for one service to have everybody's content. Back in the day, I didn't go to the Paramount store at the mall for a DVD. I went to Blockbuster and they had everything in one place. 
So unless your streaming device has a universal streaming search function like my Apple TV has, which kind of works, you just don't know what's available and when and where and for how long. I was watching the Proto West Wing, Proto Newsroom, Proto Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip show that was Sports Night on Hulu until one day it just disappeared. No need to worry about that with Disney Plus. If it's a Disney movie, it's on Disney Plus, or it will be in the future. And that works for Disney and things like the WWE Network. There's a specific market expectation to their brand. Some movies have no brand, which makes them difficult to find in the streaming world. What studio released a Godfather? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It could have been anybody. But Disney is very, very specific in its content. Nowadays, you almost have to be a licensing attorney to find shows you want. Friends was on NBC, but Warner Brothers made the show, and AT&T now owns Warner Brothers. So, is Friends on the AT&T U-verse, or AT&T Now, or DirecTV Regular, or DirecTV Now, or DirecTV Go, or is Go gone? Or is Friends going to be on the yet-to-be-released Warner streaming service that may or may not be different than HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Then... Where's Friends coming to the NBC Peacock streaming service? Can it be any more confusing? Warner owns DC Comics and the DC Universe app too, but with a half a dozen other streaming services that AT&T has floating around, I still don't know where I can see Aquaman. Disney stuff is on Disney+, and that's about as easy as it can get. They also slapped their brand across everything that started as something else. Disney's name is all over Marvel, Pixar, and Lucasfilm merch and the title cards. Even Avatar at Animal Kingdom now makes sense. With Disney Plus, you know what you're getting, and with very few exceptions, you're pretty much getting it all. So I kind of wish they didn't sell off Miramax in 2010. First off, I thought they learned their lesson in the early 20s when they lost Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to Universal. Never sell anything. Now they just troll Universal by buying properties that Universal spent hundreds of millions of dollars to install in their theme parks. You took out Back to the Future to put in The Simpsons? Ha! We own The Simpsons. How fun would it be if Disney still owned Miramax and after you're watching the Apple Dumpling Gang, then the next thing to pop up is Pulp Fiction. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Oh, well, what could have been? So what was on the Disney Plus viewing menu this week? Of course, as a child of the 70s, I'm required by law to watch Star Wars, so I fired up Episode 4 of The Mandalorian. In Episode 3, The Mandalorian says he has never taken off his mask. Have you ever removed your helmet? No. Has it ever been removed by others? Never. But in episode four... How long has it been since you've taken that off? Yesterday. Okie dokie. Well, The Mandalorian Episode 4 has taken a headfirst leap into the A-Team Incredible Hulk Fugitive Monster of the Week format. The Mandalorian is being chased for doing the right thing. He shows up somewhere. The helpless people that he meets have a problem, and yo, he solves it. Check out the hook while Baby Yoda revolves it. And then a gonzo alien stand-in for the U.S. Marshal Lieutenant Gerard shows up. So Mando and Baby Yoda, not Yoda, hop back in his Mando DeLorean on the run to the next town. As we head for credits, the sad Incredible Hulk music plays, and the Mandalorian hopes that his next hyperspace jump will be his leap home. I thought the Mandalorian sounded like Scott Bakula. I'm habitually invested into this show's universe. I don't think it's bad, I'm actually enjoying it, and I recommend it. It's just that I've seen this show as other shows, and setting it in Star Wars with lower production value isn't quite doing it for me. One thing The Mandalorian is really great at is being a show that all ages can watch and enjoy. No matter your age, you'll believe it's written for your sensibilities. My youngest watches it, and so does my father, and there's 60 years between them. And that speaks to its entertainment value across all ages. And that wasn't the case as I hit the vault to watch The Clone Wars. 
I missed out on most of the Clone Wars and I tried again to watch it. Production values don't matter, it's a cartoon, anything's possible. But what I had trouble with was the intelligence level upon which it was written. When the trailer for the new anime style Thundercats came out, a friend of mine said to his wife, "Oh, they made it for kids. And his wife looked at him like he was an idiot and said, wasn't the original for kids? And they're both right. Star Wars, as Disney is finding out, is a tough needle to thread. It has to appeal to all ages. But that's something Pixar is very good at. They have movies with high adult concepts, but are also appealing to children. Trying to watch the Clone Wars as an adult was a mistake. The comic relief battle droids almost make it unwatchably insulting to anybody over the age of 10, but that's who this show is for. I just wish it could have that alchemy the Mandalorian has, where it's entertaining for all ages. Also, from the vault, I checked out the original Tron. How inside baseball was this movie when it came out? All that computer IT technobabble that they threw at an audience that most likely had never used a computer? At that point, that script is probably more risky than the visual effects. The effects, by the way, look great because they fit the time period. Strangely, it didn't look dated. It accurately resembled what computer graphics looked like in the early 80s. If I got stuck into a computer in 1982, it would look like Tron. The Compton actors aren't that great by today's standards, and the shoehorned in animated bit character is Tron's version of a porg, but whatever. I see Tron maybe once every 10 years, and I think it's gotten better every time I've seen it. As Siri, Alexa, machine learning, and AI becomes more and more intrusive into our lives, Tron's themes seem to resonate stronger and stronger with time. I also threw on Avatar, mostly as background noise. I know it's Pocahontas with giant blue cats, but the images were so vivid and captivating that I forgot how contrived the script was and remembered why this movie made $2 billion. It's still a hypnotic spectacle that I seem to appreciate more and more every time I see it. For originals, I'm still waiting for a new Pixar in real life, but I can barely keep up with Leslie Iwerks' documentary series on the Imagineers. I hit the episode where Frank Wells and Michael Eisner take over and finally write the ship after many missteps after Walt and Roy Disney's death. I admit I'm a Disney World snob. Disneyland is far and small, and why go anywhere other than Florida? It's the biggest. It's got the most stuff to do. But after seeing the building of Euro Disney and Disneyland Paris, I have some park envy. Watching the amount of time and design and money that went into building that place makes me want to buy a plane ticket to Paris. Not to see Paris. I've done that in... Ugh. I want to go to Disneyland Paris, like now. Their versions of Big Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain look spectacular. They actually covered the idea that maybe they spent too much money and made it too good because France rejected it as a foreign company invading. And I just don't understand why they didn't just surrender like they usually do. Also in the documentary, they cover the principles of designs that Imagineers use, and for the first time I realize what Universal Studios is missing. They have world-class IP and attractions, but there's that little something missing, and after seeing this documentary, I'm pretty sure I know what that is. No spoilers. Check it out. See if you can figure it out for yourself. This episode ended with Frank Wells' death and the effect that it was to have on Eisner and Disney, but it was nice to see Eisner in a positive light. Most people focus on Eisner's end with the company, but for me, who is the face of Disney growing up, it was nice to see him get the credit he deserved for moving Disney forward at a time where it could have been gobbled up and sold for parts by other companies. So that's it, and it was another fun week of streaming away on Disney Plus, and I'll continue to report back each week with some Disney Plus watching reviews and more. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi. 
some questions, suggestions, or something you'd like me to cover on Disney Plus, reach out at Dominic at DizRadio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at DizRadio.com. I can also be found on the internet on Twitter at WDW Plantoons and on YouTube or your favorite podcast apps by searching WDW Plantoons or by visiting Plantoons.com. If you want to see some snarky cartoons about planning Disney trips, that's where you go. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Seems like everyone is getting ready for that one big holiday. But I'm I'm more excited for something else. Remember, the force will be with you. Always. I got lost in a galaxy far, far away I watched all six episodes in just one day And the new one is coming, it's coming very soon I've been crying tears of joy since the beginning of June I don't really care about Christmas this year Cause I'm gonna be at the Force Awakens premiere Yeah, I'm gonna see Luke, Leia, Finn, and Poe So why would I even care about the mistletoe? I don't need a gift to make me happy I don't really wanna ride a car that's crappy and sappy Peace on Earth, goodwill toward Kylo Ren Oh hey Chewbacca, how ya been? I don't have a Christmas spirit, just a Star Wars grin And I'm probably gonna cry when I see the Millennium Falcon I'm so sorry I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just more excited for what's going to be on the big screen I don't care about Christmas or the deals in the stores All I'm dreaming about is Star Wars, is Star Wars Oh Santa, oh Santa, go back to the North Pole Oh Santa, please Santa, we've got Han Solo Oh Santa, oh Santa, please you're ruining this holiday Oh Santa, oh Santa, I'll take Star Wars any day. Now, Ray is Bay, I'd say that all day. I'd like to write with her on a one or sorbent sleigh. Jingle bells all the way. Use the force, they say. You know I'm Gryffindor all the way. Wait, wrong movie. I'm sorry. Everyone is waiting for the Christmas snow, but who cares? I'm about to see Han Solo. Who needs to be under the mistletoe when he can be in front of the lightsaber glow? Santa Claus? Pause, because I can't hear you over the applause. Take your reindeer and go back to the North Pole. My boy BB-8 knows how I roll. You're looking for cheer in all the wrong places. Happy faces, pod races, rebel bases, base chases. Now come on, you don't have to be a hater. I mean, Scrooge is pretty much just a Christmas Darth Vader. So wish upon that Christmas Death Star, because the holidays are just a trap, right, Akbar? And if you think this is dumb, then it's a rule of thumb that you're nothing but some rebel scum. Oh, Santa, oh, Santa, go back to the North Pole. Oh, Santa, please, Santa. We've got Han Solo, oh Santa, oh Santa, please you're ruining this holiday, oh Santa, oh Santa, I'll take Star Wars. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree?
waiting for you. Yeah? Good. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, whether it's televisions, movies, and now streaming as well, with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. She is in your televisions, on your streaming devices, and so many other things. You know her from Supernatural, of course, SEAL Team, The Mandalorian, and so much more. We have none other than Emily Swallow here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Hello, hello. It is our pleasure having you on. Your resume, it just keeps building up and building up to projects that have such cult fan followings. It has definitely um, been a good year. Yes, it is It is crazy beyond belief. I mean, so many big projects. So uh, let's jump into the one that I know everybody's itching about first and foremost, The Mandalorian. What is it like being part of the Star Wars universe? Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, there's not really... There's nothing that I have to compare it to in terms of what I've done before. It's um, it's super fun, I mean, on the simplest level, because I grew up watching Star Wars. It's something that I've always loved. Um, and so getting to be a part of those stories now is just really stinking cool. Uh, beyond that, though, I mean, it's been such... Uh, such an exciting thing to work on because of the incredible collaboration, like even with all of the secrecy, even with all of the mystery around it and all of the things that I don't even know because, uh, because of how tight a lid they keep on everything. It's just such a wonderfully collaborative and welcoming environment and everyone and creating it was so generous and so open hearted and just so playful. It was like, it was just a, a, pure delight. Well, you know, and, and with that too, because it is the Star Wars universe, everybody's been waiting for it, the very first live action series for Star Wars. And of course, you know, following suit, you know, you're kind of this rough, tough Mandalorian secrecy. Now, I know you can't say too much, but did you expect the hype and the reception to be so over the top that it has been? Um, I had a feeling we were creating something special, and I was hoping. I mean... You know, it was impossible to really say, like, how fans would receive it. But seeing the care that was being put into making it um, and seeing the story unfold or what I knew of it unfold the way that it did while we were shooting it, I was really hopeful that it would be well-received because uh, it was just created with such care. And it, it felt like it was like it was a really smart idea but also an idea that was just so connected to the heart of Star Wars and that hero's journey um, and all of those things that, that drew us all into those movies back in the 70s, I think. Well, and, and with that, too, being part of this, because, you know, the fans over the top, it's getting critical acclaim. Now, because you are part of this, you know, these Mandalorians, they're, you know, it's kind of secrecy. We know you can't give too much. So when when you're wearing the helmet and the armor, were you just, like, looking through it, trying to be all badass as well, even though we couldn't see the expression on your face? To be completely honest, I felt anything but badass when I was wearing it. Because 
the experience of being inside it is pretty comical. Our vision was incredibly limited. We couldn't really see down to see, like, where we were walking. So I really hope that at some point there's, like, a bloopers reel of just Mandalorians in a room together. Because anytime, uh, anytime there were multiples of us interacting, we would, like, bump helmets. We would run into things. I didn't always know, like, where I was stepping, if I was going to, like, if I had to step up onto something. I didn't know if I was going to make it or not. <laughs> Being inside it was not nearly as awe-inspiring as it looked, and I'm really glad that it looks so good. <laughs> I guess, are we going to be able to see your character as part of the over the overarching storyline throughout the entire season? Is this going to be kind of uh, the Mandalorian's go-to person to build this armor piece by piece over the course of the season? That's something I cannot disclose. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, it looks like the armorer is somebody that would be useful for him to come back to, but I can't tell you whether or not that actually happens. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, it's always with the secrecy, but we don't want to have any spoilers, of course. Now, uh, you know, before we move on to a couple of other things that you're working on, too, but with The Mandalorian, Disney's streaming service, people are just wanting more and more and more. So when you went back and did you have a chance to screen the episodes and were you just lost in the entire story, this spaghetti Western and of course the baby Yoda? Well, the baby non Yoda. Right. The, the baby non Yoda. <laughs> so were you were, were, when you when you watched it yourself, were you just uh, taken back by how the music played and the, the tone and the lighting? And, you know, it, it's 10 minutes into the into the show before any dialogue is even spoken. So that's just such strong storytelling there. Is, is this the kind of thing that we can expect out of the entire series? Yeah, I mean, I I have seen the first three episodes, so I can't speak beyond that. I think that one of the things that is, I mean, and I, I will say that I have been completely captivated watching it. I, even knowing, you know, from reading the scripts what was going to happen, it was just an unreal experience to see how it all fit together. The the cinematography and the the puppetry with the CGI and, you know, the things that were actually shot versus the things that were filled in afterwards and then i just think that the soundscape is incredible i love the music um and i love the silence when there is silence um and i think that one of the things that's going to be really cool what i know from talking to the different directors is that they each felt like they even though everyone was collaborating and telling you know a different piece of this overarching story they also felt like they had freedom to put their stamp on it. So I think that we will probably see some differences in style from episode to episode. But I think that uh, because of the collaboration that was happening and the directors have spoken about how they did, you know, they 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 talked to each other while they were shooting their individual episodes and they, they shared... Um, oh, forgive me. There's a big motorcade going by me right now with lots of sirens. Uh, they shared ideas, they shared thoughts, they asked questions. So I think that even with those different styles, um, it still all works beautifully as, as one story. Definitely. You know, and, and this is one of those roles where, you know, 30 years from now, everybody is going to, you know, be talking to you about this role. I hope so. 
Well, you know, there, there's something about the the rough, tough Mandalorian making armor, being cool, you know, the lighting. I, it is going to be one of those characters that's going to live on. Now, aside from the Mandalorian and so many things going on with that, uh, you know, it has been a successful year for you. And, of course, one of the things that I want to touch base on that everybody loves, um, you know, doing voice work as well. What's it like working on things like Castlevania and, you know, it's just you're lending your voice and bringing these characters to life with something that has such a huge fan base? Um, I love doing voice work. I love the freedom that I have being in a booth, um, either with myself or with some of the other actors, though surprisingly it's often just like on my own um, and listening to the other parts played back. Uh, I think it's so much fun to to not worry about any of the externals about, you know, moving around or what my costume looks like or what my, you know, being worried about me and just sort of getting to live in my voice and live in this world that is then created by other people who are drawing and animating. And, you know, when I first recorded uh, back in the first season of Castlevania, I had not gotten to see anything, any version of what it was going to look like um, until I got there to record and so that was so exciting to get to see you know I knew a little bit about the scripts but I didn't know what it would look like until I got there and then seeing some of the sketches and seeing that idea that that just so informed what I was able to bring to it and to me like it's I mean doing voice work is where I just feel like I really feel like a kid getting to getting to display in my imagination because there are other people who are doing so much of the rest of the work and uh it's very cool. It's also kind of fun, like, you know, when I get to let people know, like, oh, yeah, actually, that person with the British accent is me. And, uh, and it's <laughs> fun to surprise people when they have no idea that you could do something like that. Definitely. Now, aside from voice work, too, because, you know, that's always fun. But it's also fun to go the opposite spectrum. So going from the galaxy far away, going into animation, and then going into the dark, the supernatural. What is it like being part of Supernatural, this show that has such a fan following? I I think people are going to have broken hearts if that show, when it finally ends. Oh, there's definitely going to be broken hearts. And I keep thinking, you know, there's there's just no way to write an ending that's going to make everybody happy. So it'll be interesting to see what they do come up with. I've been thrilled to get to come back this season because I I loved getting to be a part of the story uh back in season 11 and it always felt to me like it wasn't it wasn't quite resolved you know we they created these incredible beings who are uh supposedly at the top of the pecking order although with supernatural we always say like the rules are always changing so you might think you know how something's going to play out or like even if somebody dies that's not necessarily the end of that character because they have done such a brilliant job of creating this world with its own mythology and with its own um, hierarchy and I think that that's why they've been able to create such fun and dark and funny and self-aware and fantastical stories for 15 seasons Um, and it did definitely feel like coming back this season to shoot kind of felt like a a homecoming because it's such an incredible family there's such goodwill that's been created by the people who have been there from the beginning. And it's truly just such a joyful place to go to work. So I was also really happy that when I did come back this season, 
it was a little bit more lighthearted because I spent so much of that that season 11, you know, smiting people and being (laughs) understandably a little ticked off and, you know, trying to set the record straight. But it was really fun to come back and do do a kind of a sillier episode with Chuck Um, and (laughs) to get to wear some different clothes, quite frankly. Now, when you stepped on the set, too, because you said it was like a homecoming. So, you know, before you even started filming, when, when you walked on, was it like, you know, talking with everybody? Did it feel like you just never left? It did. Yeah. I mean, it had been uh, three years, I guess, since I shot my season. And, and some of the people I have seen quite frequently, like I see Rob Benedict all the time because we do the conventions together. But, you know, I hadn't seen any of the cameramen, the director that directed that episode. I hadn't seen him in a few years. And it just felt immediately familiar. And that was really cool. Yeah. Well, you know, and you mentioned going to the conventions. So that's one of those things because you have Supernatural, huge people from conventions, always wanting to come meet everybody. Your lines are going to get even longer with Castlevania and The Mandalorian added to it. Your your, your hands are going to be tired. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Now, 2019 has been a good year for you. We know we know you're busy, so I guess you know so many other things going on uh, and other projects you're part of. Where else are we going to be able to see you? You know, all throughout uh, all throughout television, and everything for the rest of 2019 and into 2020. Um, well, the other thing that I've been working on lately is uh, Seal Team, a show on CBS. I've been a been a character that's been popping up from time to time there, um, and that also is so much fun. You know, with the this huge heightened reality of The Mandalorian and uh, Supernatural, it's really cool to get to do something that's much more naturalistic and grounded in reality. Um, and that, too, is such a fantastic set to work on. I'd worked with the one of the producers, Chris Chulak, on a show called Southland a few years ago. And I was really excited to see that he had created a similar work environment um, where there's just such a, again, like, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm truly so lucky to have been working at these places where there's just such wonderful collaboration. And even coming in, you know, this, this is the third season of the show. I was coming in as a brand new character, and I was just welcomed with open arms. And they were really interested to see what I wanted to bring to it and the character that I wanted to create. And there was no, like, dictating, you know, okay, this is the box you're going to fit in now go do this, which can sometimes happen when you go into something that has been set up and is running in a certain way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like this year I've done a good job of, of, uh, or I haven't done a good job, but I've been lucky to get roles that where there's like kind of something to please everybody. (laughs) Well, you know, and and that's the kind of thing where you're in so many different roles. Uh, how often does it happen where, you know, you're with family or friends or anyone and they're just like recognizing you for something different all the time. And I guess, what is the one thing you get recognized for the most? Um, I think it would still be the mentalist, which I did, um, back in 2015, I want to say. Um, I was just on a flight back from Germany a couple of days ago. One of the flight attendants, a flight attendants recognized me from the mentalist. That seems to be the one that has like the biggest international appeal. And I'm, I'm constantly surprised at being different places in the world and people, uh, remember that I, that I was Agent Fisher on that show. Very cool. Well, we know you're busy. So many different things going on. You know, you're always on the go, especially with so many different projects. I guess in closing here, you know, for all of your fans whose lives you've touched, whether that's animation with Castlevania, Star Wars fans with the all new Mandalorian on Disney Plus, as well as The Mentalist, Supernatural, you name it. 
Do you have any final words you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans who, you know, are just wanting more and more from you? I just really want to say thank you because there's no way I would get to do the thing that I love if uh, there weren't if there weren't this incredible support from the fans. I mean, I'm so moved every time. And that this is one of the things I really love about the conventions is getting to connect with the fans and to hear to hear about what individual aspects of Supernatural or The Mandalorian or whatever, you know, what it is that touches them and what it is that they connect to. Um, I started acting in theater, and in theater you just have a much more immediate uh, and accessible connection with the audience because they're right there. And so it's cool for me with this TV stuff and voiceover stuff to get to talk to the audience and to get to talk to the fans and find out what it is that touches them. And And for as many times as they talk about something that I, you know, I can say like, oh, yeah, I think that's really cool. I totally knew you would dig that. There's also so many things that they pick up on that I might not even have noticed. And so it's cool that I get to learn from them about the stuff that I'm, I'm doing and I get kind of a different, a different vantage point. So thank you is really the only thing that I can say. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in. Everybody can see you, of course, Supernatural, The Mandalorian, which I know is just, you know, breaking down, you know, uh, Wi-Fi signals everywhere. And, you know, it's our pleasure having you stop in, Emily, anytime, talking about all the different projects you're working on. And I'm excited to see where everything goes in 19 and 2020 with uh, you popping up everywhere. So thanks once again for stopping in. Thank you. Great to talk. What do you mean, Arthur? That noise is singing, you silly bucket. What? Me teach you how to sing? Well, I don't know if I can, Arthur. You see, it's rather complicated. But perhaps I can explain music if I try to sing you the explanation. You see, there's a kind of sound you won't find in your mem. Recall, when you add a note to one, you sound it just before, and another one after that, and then another three or more, and suddenly you are singing notes galore. Oh no, Arthur, it's more. There's a kind of feeling when you sing a melody, and another person sings along in harmony. It's the loveliest thing that you can do to make your voice sound grand. Are the things you never will understand If you could only give it a try And see if they're through Your voice would float like a feather And we'd sing together or two Just get your shirt get spicy on near half dozen will do If you can get them ringing Then we all will be singing with you Now sing, Artu Yes, that's a good start But try putting the notes where they belong Again Much better. But never give up till you know that you're singing a perfect song. We know that you can do it, that you get through it, our two. Your every friend is better, there's a great duet beside you. Don't give up now, you're flying so high, you're up in the blue. Just keep that music coming, and we soon will be humming with you. Oh dear, let me see now. Yes. Just imagine someone who does not know how to love. Could you teach him how to do it with a photograph? 
or a diagram of the human brain or some such silly scheme. Never tickle his funny bone and watch him scream. <laughs> well, the same is true of music, as I think you see. It's a little more than someone saying, do rain me. It's a little like jumping out in space with no firm ground below. Let's give it the best that you have, maybe up and away you'll go. The time is now, we're showing you how it's over to you. Your voice will pop like a feather and all sing together or two. Come take that chance, that physical dance, no time for review. And with those notes you're bringing us, we all will be singing with you. Now you try it, Artu. Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia, they're the Star Wars Early Bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars Early Bird certificate package is in stores. With this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate to send in to get a set of figures by mail. They'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st. The Star Wars Early Bird certificate package, new from Kenner. Hey D-Heads, it's Chaz, back with another Magical Music Review, and this week we're going to talk about the music of The Mandalorian. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian, it is the new show on Disney+, and it is fantastic, and you need to take a moment and go watch it. Hit pause, take a moment, go watch it, come back. Alright, you back? Cool. Let's talk about The Mandalorian and its music. Most specifically, let's talk about the music of The Mandalorian because that's what this whole segment's about. Anyway, so the music of The Mandalorian, some people may not like it, and I'm going to try to change your opinions if you don't like it because I think it is fantastic. The music is not done by John Williams, which is what some people have a problem with from what I'm hearing. John Williams did all if not most of the music for the rest of the Star Wars franchise. He has this very giant, grandiose, um, orchestral sound to his pieces, and they fit wonderfully within the space opera that is Star Wars. Star Wars being that space opera, of course, music plays a giant role in that, and in the music, John Williams has played a giant role in it as well. But The Mandalorian is a beast of its own breed. It is not a space opera. Like the rest of the Star Wars films being the space opera, except for Solo, which, again, people were upset about that film because it was a space heist film. And I thought it was fantastic as well because it was what it was. The Mandalorian is definitely a space western. One of the very few space westerns that had existed before is Firefly, and it was one of my favorite shows, 
and I was sad to see it go, but The Mandalorian definitely fills a little bit of that hole that Firefly left. Doesn't fill it completely, but boy is it a great fit for the Star Wars universe. The music of The Mandalorian, like I said, is not composed by John Williams. It's actually composed by Ludwig Göransson. And what Ludwig do did with the music is he gave you a kind of a feel and a throwback to not like Firefly necessarily being the only other space western that I can think of, but westerns in general. Westerns have a very specific sound when it comes to music and you know be it spaghetti westerns or classic westerns or modern westerns they all have that sound and those wind instruments and the rhythm and cadence that give you that feeling of like a horseback rider or even just like the tension that comes from like a standoff the music builds on that and that's exactly what Ludwig gave you in The Mandalorian and continues to give you because week in and week out you have that Mandalorian theme that comes in and it's always at that perfect moment that just gives you that a little extra and it's wonderful. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian yet, I highly recommend it. Go watch it. If you don't have time to watch it and you're driving, Go to Spotify and find yourself the Mandalorian theme, at least, because it is cool, all right? Ludwig did a fantastic job with it, and I'm so excited to see where this series goes. And I'm more excited about the music and the feel of it than most people are about Baby Yoda. And, I mean, I don't know how what else to say about it. It's just a very cool, warm, muted sound that just really gives you that emotion and it's wonderful all right but that's all i have for you this week you know how to find me if you want to reach out and talk to me you can reach out at my email that's chaz at disradio.com that's c-h-a-z at disradio.com and as always don't just fly soar hurry up everyone we have to finish before s claus gets here why do we have to leave every Christmas before he arrives? Because he doesn't want us to see him. Why not? Maybe he's shy. Maybe he doesn't exist. Oh, he exists all right. I have a sighting right here in my memory bank. You mean you actually saw... Judge for yourself. It happened only last year. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the shop the toy-making droids had each come to a stop. The toys and the gifts had been stacked up with care in the hope that S. Claus would himself soon be there. All over the world, children old, children young were asleep as they dreamed of the stockings they'd hung. With a smile on their faces, all snug in their beds, as visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. But needing a wrench that I couldn't find, I went back to the shop, leaving R2 behind. No, R2, you were not there. I saw him all by myself. Don't listen to him. I'm telling the story. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. As I searched through the shop, there came a great clatter. And I thought, oh, my stars, there is something the matter. Then the clatter got louder and got me so vexed, I hid under a bench to see what would come next. The light of the moons on the new fallen snow lit the walls of the shop with a soft, friendly glow. 
when there, at the window, what I saw made me stare. A sleigh and eight reindeer floating in air. And jumping across from the sleigh to the floor was a round little man. Nothing less, nothing more. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot. And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. And I thought, can it be that S. Claus is alive? Why, the odds against that are ten billion to five. So who was this creature coming so near? What should I do? Was he someone to fear? But a wink of his eye and a turn of his head soon helped me to know I had nothing to dread. Well, what do you mean, R2? I was not frightened at all. No. No, I was under the bench because, well, I didn't want to get in the way. Wait, wait, wait. Here's the best part. He said not a word as he held out his sack. Then he reached for our toys and he started to pack. And I thought as I watched this shy little man, what a joy to be part of his wonderful plan. Then he jumped in a flash to the seat of his sleigh, calling out to his reindeer to take him away. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. By the light of the stars on each child we will call. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. I heard him exclaim as he sped out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Hello, I'm Stephanie Powers. You might remember me from Herbie Rides Again and The Boatniks, lovely Disney movies. You are listening to Disney On Demand. Hope you're having a good time. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with the Wonderful Women of Disney, a new segment that shines a light on women from the Walt Disney Company's past and present. With the premiere of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker just a few weeks away, it's a great time to reflect on some of the women and men who have championed diversity in the Star Wars canon over the years. In 2012, at the behest of Steven Spielberg's successor Kathleen Kennedy, Film and television writer Kiri Hart was tasked with creating an all-female story group to consider the state of diversity within the franchise and their hopes of creating more meaningful female characters. To many of the group members, Princess Leia was a groundbreaking influence. As Hart said, Leia was doing a bunch of things in movies that women didn't usually do. But even in 1977, women only spoke 6.3% of the dialogue in A New Hope. By contrast, 27.8% of the dialogue in The Force Awakens was spoken by women, and making even more progress, 44.7% of dialogue was spoken by non-white actors in Rogue One. Over the years, the makeup of the Lucasfilm story group has also changed. It is now comprised of four women and seven men, five of whom are people of color. They have reported that more interactions a character has, the more vital they're considered to the story. And in creating a more honest reflection of the world, more vital characters must accurately depict this world's diversity. From Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia 
to Daisy Ridley's Ray, to Kelly Marie Tran's Rose Tico, to this week's guest, Emily Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian, we can't wait to continue meeting the smart, strong, and interesting female characters of the Star Wars universe. And we're grateful to the Lucasfilm Story Group for helping ignite the spark. Princess Leia said it best, somebody has to save our skins. We can handle this. Have a nice day. This is a very special time of the year for us. It Chris. is, James. Some would say the most holy time of year. Yeah, I'm mean, Christmas. No, that happens every year. I'm talking about something that hasn't happened in 10 years. You're absolutely right, because that special day is right around the corner. And, well, we've prepared a little song. Thank you, Chewbacca. Star Wars fans outside the Cineplex Lining up one week to wait oh, That's nice Thrilled to see All the brand new effects But most of all Meet BB-8 Goes. Do or do not, there is no try. And dark side Jedi are the words. Jedi is the plural of Jedi, yes. To kids out there watching for the first time, you should know that Han shot first. We're trading spoilers, we just can't resist. That's right. It's all more thrilling than when Han and Leia kissed. And every nerd will burst with all the feels. Squeak to hear the dark side, the Jedi, they are real! And so, we're offering this simple phrase. For whom, James? For fans from Endor to Naboo. Amen. Although it's been said many times, many ways, may the Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand. Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. (laughs) 
All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed our galactic Christmas edition here at Diz Radio as we celebrated Life Day and kicked off the ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. I want to extend a very special thank you to Emily Swallow once again for stopping in here, chatting with us, and I'm excited to see more about your character on The Mandalorian and, of course, coming back to Supernatural and so many other things. I am excited of what 2020 is going to hold for you. And of course, yes, as I already mentioned once before in this sentence, I'm excited to see where the Mandalorian is going. I'd also like to thank the D team once again, because without the D team, there'd be nothing more than me every single week. I'd like to thank Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Jeremy, Caitlin, and Charles, all stopping in here this week with your signature segments. Make sure to drop them a line, connect up with the D team. They don't bite. They want to interact with all of you D heads. Thank you, the D team. And most of all, thank you, the D heads. Without you, there would be no show. You are the reason we are coming up on our 10-year anniversary in 2020. So thank you, the D-Heads. You truly are the heart, the soul, the backbone, and of course, our holiday celebration recipients all month long here at the show. So thank you, the D-Heads. You truly are the ones that make the show here at Diz Radio. Now, next week, we're going to continue on with our month-long holiday celebration, and we have somebody very special stopping in. But before I clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Dot com. You can also join us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Diz Radio Show. That's D-I-Z Radio S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, you name it. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand. All of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical different kind of Disney show. And if you want to stay connected instantly, you can't wait to hear our voices, our celebrations, our special guests. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, search Diz Radio, Disney Blue, or Disney On Demand. Hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released on your iPhone, your Android, the device of your choosing. Stream it from your television, your Alexa, you name it. You can do it right there. Just hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released. And if you can't remember any of this, as I always say every single week, just go to DizRadio.com, and there you can find all these links there as well. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, it has been a fantastic romp, a kickoff to our ninth annual Very Merry Christmas celebration, and next week is somebody that you may know from a couple of different Disney things. He's had a run-in with some angels, yes. He's also been running around on some grass, kicking some soccer balls. He's also been part of a couple of other... You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to make you do some guessing. But next week, we have a very special guest stopping in once again to continue on with our Christmas celebration. So until next week, all of you D-heads, here in Wisconsin, we are celebrating St. Nick. St. Nick comes this week. Yes, and if you're wondering what St. Nick is, I'm just going to say Wikipedia it. Google it. Not the person. The celebration day. Just Google it if you're not from uh, the Midwest. And uh, maybe you'll start a new tradition in your home state. It definitely would be fun and something to, to spread the Christmas cheer this month. So as I always say, especially in this time, this month, this year, uh, even in this moment, slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. Remember that, especially during this Christmas season. Don't go into debt trying to buy love 
Just remember, it's all about the memories. Something as simple as curling up on the couch and watching Mickey's Christmas Carol or anything at all. So spend that time, make those memories. So until next week, all VD heads, have a very Merry Christmas season. If you celebrate Hanukkah, I hope you're gearing up for that, Kwanzaa, or any holiday of your choosing. Or maybe you don't celebrate the holidays, but you enjoy our celebrations. Either way, I'm going to say what I celebrate. So have a very Merry Christmas. Let me see. We have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes. yes but it... What about Han Solo? Couldn't we get him here? That leaves one big problem. The Wookiee. Couldn't we get him a comb? He gave him a comb last year. What can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. What can you get in a hurry for a furry kind of friend like that? Take home. He doesn't need a tie clip and he doesn't use shaving foam. So what can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. It's really a problem.
thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.